What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 24 of Call to the Bullpen. I'm your host, David Payne, alongside co-host Brad Zampar. Let's play ball. We got two guests with us today. First one, we got Jimmy Miller here with us. Jim, it has not been a great uh, what two weeks now as a Mets fan. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, it hasn't been great. Uh, they're starting to play better baseball, but a lot has happened recently, you know, especially not on the good end, but, you know, at least they're winning. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at a five, five games out of the division here uh, is, yeah. is certainly attainable. In, in a whole month, you got the whole month of September there. Um, you know, the, the Phillies are playing red hot right now. Seven out of the winning seven out of their last 10. The Braves are, are not, though. The Braves have, are, are only on a one game win streak. They've lost uh, six out of their last 10. You guys are five and five. Uh, are you still feeling like playoffs are, are in the picture this year? Or are you is your mindset kind of ahead to 2022? Yeah, today, which was the start of a five-game series against Washington. Then we have three after that against Miami. So we have really eight games against the bottom two teams of the division and arguably, you know, lower top five teams in the NL. So I'm, I'm feeling confident that, you know, we could win at least six of those games and get back in it. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole stretch there of two straight weeks – against the Dodgers and the Giants. That was brutal. That was that was not good baseball from the Mets by any means, nor was it a, a good situation to be in. Uh, you came away 2-12 and 12 from that stretch. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, six wins in that stretch, and you're, you're within three in the division. If you came away with six instead of two there, Oh, well, like, obviously you didn't, you probably didn't expect to walk away from those 14 games with a winning record, but, but you, you certainly didn't expect two and, and four or two and 12, right? Yeah. I mean, you wanted to at least, like, like I said, you wanted to at least try to break even in there, you know, when five, six out of the 13, um, but then, then you, you know, you at least be in a good spot to beat on these 16 straight games against the lower tier teams, which they are doing, but you would have liked at least five, six wins out of the 13 games. Yeah. It would have put you in a much better position going into September. Not that you guys are, are in a, a terrible situation here. It's just, it's so, so streaky. It feels like it's like you'll, you'll lose two out of, or you'll, you'll go two and 12 and then you'll go, you know, seven and three, and then you'll go back on a losing skid. And, and like, it, it's like the consistency isn't quite there at least as of late, like you guys were in first place for, for how long, a couple months straight. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. Some, something crazy. It was like eight, it was like 70 something days. I remember. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys did play like consistently well for a long time and just like for, from your perspective, what is it that's been, is it, is it a Mets thing that's, that's been 
I mean, obviously we, we know that we'll talk about like the controversies and stuff, but I'm talking just like on field product. Has it been the Mets being bad? Has it been just the Braves have played way better? Like the, obviously the Braves underperformed for largely for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And now they've, they've played back up to that level we expected. Is it, is it more like the Braves Phillies playing better or the Mets playing worse or a combo of both? How do you see it? Um, I think it has a lot to do with DeGrom going down. You know, you see a direct correlation between DeGrom going down and their performance going down. Obviously, the teams have been playing better in their division, but at the end of the day, you know, you're down an ace. You're down one of every five days. You could almost guarantee a win. You know? Yep. That hurts. How do you see it, Brad? Um, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I really don't think Rojas is a major league manager to begin with. I mean, he was just a guy who had to step in. I mean, I could see him being like what he was supposed to be, that bench coach, that veteran guy on the bench who controls the clubhouse, stuff like that. But, I mean, the other day, even just the other day, he pulled Tajon Walker, Tajon Walker with 75 pitches. And, I mean, he went to Aaron Loop. And then, I mean, who is their best reliever right now? And then he just gets shelled. I mean, I think it's a combination of just bad coincidences and managing to a, to an extent, but it, I think it really boils down to the hitting. The hitting has not been there for much of August. I think they were 20 or 9 and 20 in August, which is just not going to do it when you're trying to win a win a pennant, nonetheless, a division. Yeah, definitely. And you see, you said one thing there that uh, that Rojas could be like the bench coach guy and that like controls the clubhouse. Let me tell you, that man has no control over his clubhouse <laughs> whatsoever. And and the, you could attribute that mainly to you're right. He wasn't supposed to be the guy. He wasn't supposed to be the manager. Everything about the 2021 Mets is like second choice. Right. Beltran was your first choice for manager. You got your second choice in Rojas. Uh, Freaking what's his name? Uh, Jared Porter was your first choice in GM. You got Zach Scott. Real Muto. Yeah. Uh, Real Muto is your first choice in catcher. You got Zach Collins. So everything has been. uh, Or how about in in the McCann? Or McCann. That's right. McCann. yeah, I got James and White Sox catcher and went right to Collins. <laughs> uh, you at the trade deadline, you want Chris Bryant. You got Javi Baez. And so everything has been like second choice. So when you when you whiff with your first choice that many times, I mean, automatically the bar goes from like it could have been here. The bar is automatically a bit lower there. Um, but let's let's get into the the whole Javi Baez thumbs down jimmy were you offended uh i'd say yeah at first i was i mean i'm not really a fan that's gonna boo players mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean I, I was at the game they had the day off after that game and then i was at the double header right after that the city field and the fans are going in on bias but you know typical new york fashion you know the next game after that big walk-off win after that great base running they're mm-hmm. all cheering him so i mean that's just the way the New York fan bases are. You know, you, you got to expect that as a player. And I think Baez and Lindor both from both new to New York, both from definitely smaller market teams, I'd say, or, you know, they're not, a, they're, I don't think they're accustomed to that level of booing. Um, and I just don't think they knew how to handle it. Yeah. I've, I've got so many thoughts to unpack on this whole thing. And the first one 
is just like, okay, we we had we had this question on the mailbox one week. Like, when is it okay for a team or for fans to boo their favorite team's players? And and Brad and I kind of gave our answers. And just to to recap mine, I said like a Jay Bruce type scenario, where yeah. like the guy's just like new to your team and is just so abysmally horrible, yeah. right? And that's like Baez was not great coming mm-hmm. right, but like also like he's Javi Baez, right? Like yeah, he's not he's, yeah. he's not Jay Bruce. Like you know what you're getting when you get Javi Baez. I don't see any reason like. Brad and I are Orioles fans, right? If anybody has the right to boo a player on their favorite team, I think we had every right for about five years to boo Chris Davis every chance we got. Mm-hmm. Brad, did you ever boo Chris Davis? No. I don't think there was a single time where I booed Chris Davis. And if I can, if we can, we can get away with not booing Chris Davis, there's no need to boo your favorite team's players. Mm-hmm. At all. Like if that man could get a $161 million contract and perform the way that he did and we didn't boo him, no shot that you, you should boo your, your fan, your, your favorite team's players. I just don't, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not one to boo players. Um, but on the contrary, it's New York. Yeah. Right. Like John Carlos Stanton's been booed for uh, how many years has he been a Yankee every year? He's been a Yankee. He's gotten booed. How many times has he cried to the media about it? Yeah, you, you don't really hear that. No. On that I've heard of. I mean, uh, I I hate to to say anything nice really about Derek Jeter, but he said that when they played bad, he was like, "I would have booed us too." Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it's dumb to boo, but also it's dumb to like as a player in New York. Or, or Los Angeles, or even Chicago, where Javi's coming from, right? Like, Cubs fans are a passionate bunch. They, they almost committed homicide uh, on a, a fellow fan of theirs. And, and you know, they're not the, the nicest group out there. They're a passionate group. So, uh, dude, just a softness on the part of, of the players is how I see that, too. Uh, so it, it goes, it, it just, none of it made sense. It was such an unnecessary drama there and completely distracted from the, the on-field product. I, I was just so confused with the whole thing, but I, Brad, what, what, like, what do you, what do you make? Like the whole thing's kind of behind us now, but like, what do you, what do you make of the whole thing? Uh, I think, um, I don't know who said it after, but. It was like a couple of days after, maybe it was a day after he said uh, winning cures everything. And it really does, because if they go on a streak where they win seven of eight, nine of 10 or something like that, nobody's going to remember this. Yeah, that will. That's the thing, too. If, if they went on to, to lose out the rest of the season, they would say, oh, this uh, end of the season. Right. This is, but but now if they go and get on a hot streak, it's going to be that it was it was like fuel or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, at, at the, I think you're right. At the end of the day, it's like the, the play can, can take away really any kind of clubhouse scandal like that. Like, I, I mean, the, you could look at other incidents similar to this. Like, in my mind, it's not much different than Chris Sale cutting up the, the throwback jersey or Jonathan Papelbon choking out uh, Bryce Harper in the dugout. 
Like it's it's the kind of thing that if you you just win ball games, you'll move on from. But the one that you're not moving on from is is the uh, the Zach Scott uh, right in the middle of already a controversy going on that was already handled poorly uh, with the team statement from uh, Sandy Alderson. Now you've got your GM leaving the owner's house, getting busted for a DUI. Like if if you didn't have the the thumbs down thing, it's still bad. And then you add the thumbs down thing happening right then onto it. And it's like, whoa, like what, how, how could this week go worse? It's like on, on uh, over this weekend, I fully expect to, to hear that Mrs. Met was cheating on Mr. Met with the Philly fanatic or, or with the, the Marlin. I like, what could, what else could go worse? Like at, at this point, it's like, everything is just falling apart. And, and like, five and five on the field, like might be playing better. You're on a four game win streak, but like winning's not going to make it a, the GM getting a DUI go away. Even if it makes the thumbs down thing go away, like where, how, like you have Porter sending wiener picks. Yeah. You got Scott getting a DUI. Where does this one, where does this stem from Two. How do you fix this? Yeah, that's that's really tough. I mean, I it's almost like you want like a like an Epstein to come and Theo Epstein that has experience and you know has that pedigree of being a trustworthy guy. You know, like these newer guys that come in, like Zach, like Zach Scott. Um, I mean, Porter was around a little bit, but I feel like you, you need a guy with more pedigree that's been around a while and actually like has not really getting into any controversy and. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just like, think you need to have more with, experience. With Theo, you would probably be swallowing this bad press because of what he can bring to your ball club. I mean, mm. Zach Scott, he's what he's never held a huge position. He's yeah. the product on the field is down of the controversy with Baez, the whole thing. I don't I don't see how Scott can survive this. He I don't, I don't know if they'll trade up fire him or they'll suspend him to the end of the season and let him go but i feel like if you had a guy like a theo in there or if you had a nethal a neat neander with uh milwaukee their head guy over there you would probably swallow this bad press with them getting a dui and go say they're going classes or whatever it is because of what they can bring to you i don't think scott is going to bring that to this club now so i i see epstein going around a lot Right. Like he's, he's the name everyone's throwing out there and it is the best baseball move that they can make. I think, however, I think most of their problems have not been baseball problems. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a culture problem with the Mets and I'm not sure Theo Epstein is the guy to fix that mainly because trying to hold that position as well. Like, is he, he going right. to try to move on? And, yeah. You know, he, he is in a, a position with MLB. Um, but I just, I, I think that Theo Epstein is largely responsible for that culture that, mm-hmm. that is, is really rampant in, in major league baseball right now. But we're talking about a guy who got his first GM job at 26 years old. Uh, and 
I the the term going around for like the Jared Porter, Mickey Calloway, Zach Scott type guys, they're calling them like the the frat boys of baseball and like the frat boy culture. And that really kind of came about with Theo Epstein that he was kind of like the first guy of that like of that type. Um so uh, culture wise, I'm not sure he's the answer. Uh baseball wise, I you know, if you're going to build a world championship team, you know, Theo Epstein's your guy. You're going to pay him any amount to do that. I think it's it like one, not just Zach Scott's got to go. Uh, it, well, he's got to go before the end of the season, in my opinion. Uh, Alderson, Sandy yeah, Alderson, Sandy Alderson, two times. He, you've had two tries now to make the New York Mets uh, a winning, respected franchise and failed both times. He should never get another shot to even touch the New York Mets again. I mean, in, in, Technically, I guess Sandy was brought in not to be a guy leading this immediate team. He was supposed to be a supervisor, like looking at the whole big picture, which is a lot different than just the everyday actions of the major league team. So he, I mean, he got sprung into the mix because he's brought all these guys in. Right. He's, he hired all them and he apparently failed to do any sort of vetting on them at all. So it it stems back to him. Does it not? No, absolutely it does. So I'm thinking like he he goes and that's where you can kind of get your culture shift. But like at the same time, Steve Cohen's not helping himself out. Like you dude, you could have a murder in the Mets clubhouse and Steve Cohen's tweet would be like the dogs were murder, mur- murder sad. Let's win this ball game or something like that. It'd be like, oh, sad someone's dead, but LFGM. Like <laughs> No matter what, he's just like, let's win tonight on Twitter. And it's like, yeah, all right, man, you're not, it, you're, not a, you're not just a fan. Anymore. Yeah, you're not just a fan now. You have legitimate responsibility. And when negative things happen in your organization, it can't just be, well, I hope the boys play well tonight. Like, no, dude, take some responsibility here. And he, he always does that and always passes the buck on to someone else. And, you know, it's cool that an owner is interacting with his fans and stuff like the, the Angelos just don't do that. I, I follow them on Twitter and they don't even tweet. They they like retweet one one thing from some like charity a, a year. So, like, it's cool that he, he interacts. But like, it's also like, I don't know if I was a Mets fan, I might be a little embarrassed by his Twitter account. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's better than the Wilpons, though, in my opinion. I mean, it couldn't get much worse than that. I mean, you you can say that, but all, like, who, what team has had like a more embarrassing year than this year? Like, this is his first year as owner of the team, and it's you got to admit it's been a complete disaster. I think they're lucky about like the Astros cheating scandal and all that because it's kind of. I'm, I'm not saying it's viewed as lightly, but. I mean, it's we're, we're kind of in an era of just scandals coming out. It's almost like you yeah. can't expect it to happen. Oh, baseball yeah. is just like it's it's so scandal ridden lately. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and it's I, I don't I don't think it's gonna get any better. And I don't ugh, we can you know what let's let's talk about this. Did you guys see the the proposal from Major League Baseball on service time that they are trying to include in the new CBA? It's hilarious that they're trying to cap free agency at 29 and a half. 29. So, so no more seven years of service time. You're nope. a free agent at 29 and a half years old in a league that won't pay 
30 plus year old payers, pl- players. Yep. <laughs> so who's going to agree to that? You got to hit free agency at 26, 27, 28 now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The 20, like you're not going to get paid at, at that age. And the players are not going to agree to that. And we are going to have the biggest scandal of all this winter when the, for the first time since 1994, the players go on strike. Yeah, for sure. I'm not count like after seeing like, and that's not the only proposal that's come out that I've been like, what are we doing here? Like, it's like five or six proposals now that they're trying to sneak in there that I'm like, that's not going to fly. It's not going to work. And we're not going to have, I'm, I'm calling it now. We're not going to have baseball for a long time next year. And it, that's very unfortunate uh, considering like uh, the exciting players we have right now and the chances that they have to, to put themselves in history. They got a shortened COVID season last year. They're going to have a shortened strike season next year. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm frustrated with all the, the scandals and the drama. And like, I just want to get back to baseball. It's very, like, it's really frustrating. Yeah, the free agency pool, this upcoming offseason is actually pretty good. Like the shortstop mm-hmm. talent is out there for sure. Even with Lindor being extended, you know, it's it's going to be good. No, it's in it. And, you know, Trevor's story not moving at the deadline actually, you know, the thought was he's going to get moved and he's going to get locked up long term. He didn't get moved. He's going to be a free agent. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's one more shortstop that's going to be on the market that I kind of didn't expect it to be on the market. I'm really excited to see uh, Carlos Correa on the open market Um, Mm -hmm. because Springer, it didn't seem like the cheating affected his free agency that much, Uh, but Mm -hmm. Correa was like one of the main guys in this. Yeah. And and he's hinted very much that he's not going to go back to Houston. So I'm really, really interested since you brought up the Astros cheating to see how that impacts his free agency as like one of the three faces of the scandal. I'd say Altuve, Correa, Bregman were the faces of that scandal. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree that probably the three best players in the teams. So, I mean, they're going to face the brunt of that. Yeah, and they were the ones with the obnoxious answers uh, yeah. when they were, and the ones that denied it the most, and this and that. I'm gonna give my landing spot for Correa right now. Uh, yeah, Brad and I have said uh, we want him in Baltimore, but I think I think the Tigers are the the landing yeah, spot. That's, with that's him. what I'm thinking. Yeah. They said they said that they're gonna go out and significantly improve the major league roster, get back to winning in Detroit. I think it's a no brainer for him to to be in Detroit. I agree. Yeah, it's a great fifth round because it gets back with Hinch too. Yep, and so Definitely. the the only thing is is that ballpark is not hitter friendly. Well, I mean it's it's six hundred and fifty feet to center field. I mean, that could be the only thing that I would see deterring him. But like you got a good young pitching staff, they're already exciting to watch. You throw him in the mix there, and I'm sure they're willing to spend on more guys than just him too. Oh yeah, for sure. So I think package some of the prospects and go get somebody else. Yeah. I mean, they have a, a ton of arms. You can, you can trade for, for uh, come, come get uh Santander. Well, yeah. For his mize or Scooble. <laughs> you said part with mize for him. Dude, mize, mize, uh, I'm thinking he probably really didn't need to be a number one talent after what I've seen so far. He's always walked a lot of guys, but it's jumped a bit more in Pro Bowl. Yeah. He's being like the next Michael Fulmer for them, you know, good for a couple of years and then just falls off. 
Yeah. Um, I am. I'm interested to see how many, cause dude, such a big prospect pool they had. I'm really interested to see how many of those pitchers they hit on. Cause they, they, I mean, they went big quantity there, but dude, like is, is Torkelson ready next year? You think next year? I think he is. I think he's in the big. I mean, I bet his bat would be. And if you're just going to stick him at first, he can, he can probably get by Like what Andrew Vaughn was this year. Yeah, he he got up there pretty pretty quick. I think Vaughn was the second guy to come up from that class because Crochet came up first, I think. Or maybe they were in opposite years, 1918. Yeah, because well, Crochet went right right to the bigs, right? Yes, yeah. You know who else is is really impressive from the Tigers that is gonna be big league ready next year? That outfielder? R- Riley Green. Yeah. yeah. Riley Green's gonna be a le- dude. Like they're gonna be so so fun next year. He they really are. This year at Triple A, Riley Green's hitting three seventy three. And and I mean he's only played sixteen games at Triple A, but his three seventy three after hitting three eighty one at Double A Eastern Eastern League. Mm-hmm. That's nuts, dude. He like they're gonna be really fun, especially you add Correa there. So. Talking about next offseason and, and free agent shortstops, you can't bring Baez back after all this, right? No. I almost think that's why I did in the first place. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a rental. and I'm not, I don't want to be here next year, you know? So you, you're saying like he, he got booed and, and he felt like this wasn't the place for him long term. So he was just like, whatever. Basically, yeah. That's Yeah, I mean – that's what it seems like, right? But like there was the chance for him to get locked up long term with Lindor there. And like that could have been a thing going forward. And it just seems like it seems like no way now. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. So what do you also, he'd have to move off the shortstop? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So what are you looking for then in terms of, of this offseason? What do you wanna see? Uh I really think they should bring like VR back. I I I like VR. I, th- I think he could honestly start like at third for them next year, really. Um, then you want to probably bring in an outfielder. I'm Blackman. I think he has an option. I feel like he'd be a decent pickup. Um, resign Stroman, resign Loop. Um, mm-hmm. I understand that's a big one. Yeah. Stroman for sure. You got to bring him back. In, in I'd like, opinion, I'd like uh, what's his name? Not, a, not the shortstop, Kyle Seeger. I think he'd be a good fit for. Look yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think that he'd be a good fit in Baltimore as well. Yeah, yeah I'd like Kyle Seeger in Baltimore. I got his autograph in Baltimore, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's an older vet guy who's still playing at a consistent level and can hold down the fort for a couple of years. I actually think he would be a really good fit for the Mets. Yeah. The only thing is, City Field's not really a hitter's haven, and he's a big power guy. So, what? Just, really just move the fences in for the ninth time. <laughs> yeah, true. What if they, well, they, at, least the, at least the Chick Fil A signs are off the foul poles. They've they've moved the fences in what like three times since the park opened. What are they Crazy. moving? They moved well, them in sixty feet. How big did they make the park at the start? What are you four hundred down the lines? Yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was something deep. Like yeah, plus yeah, plus the high fence too. It's it wasn't just far. It was high. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I feel like Story'd be a good fit for Cincinnati. And Cincy? Yeah. Out under the bomb squad there with Winker and Castellanos. Dude, how about how about Castellanos' wife being so mad on Twitter 
that everybody keeps making the Castellanos jokes. And then in the replies, all the replies are like, I'm so sorry. We'll stop now. There's a deep drive to yeah. left field. It's like, oh, my God. Leave the poor yeah, woman. Like the you just said that Trey just hit a two-run shot into, or a solo shot into the upper deck. Who did? Trey did. Just now? Yes. Oh, I've yet to get my uh, at-bat notification. Good old network in the, in the market. 2-1 ball game? It is, yes. Or I'll take a Trey bomb. Yeah, I'm going to the game Sunday. I know we're about to get absolutely. Oh, I just got the notification. Trey Mancini, solo homer. Word. I, I we're going. I'm going on Sunday, and the pitching matchup is a uh, Keegan Aiken versus Corey Kluber. Yes. <laughs> um, we're sitting. Uh, we're sitting right behind the the wall in left field, and I know I'm just gonna be watching Judge Stanton. Just <laughs> I'm gonna get whiplash from from looking over my head at the balls flying over. From uh Keegan Aiken, not looking forward to that. But he has pitched well his last two starts. He did. He's getting. You know, he's he's. I'm kind of hoping he he doesn't even get an out and just like puts a guy on and they take him out. He's got a six point nine ERA and that's kind of nice. <laughs> you gotta keep it right at that six point nine. <clears throat> I saw um. This is not baseball related, but I saw some football game the other day where the kicker missed the extra point at the end. To keep the score 69 to nothing. Beast. <laughs> I love that. But Jim, thank you for coming and talking uh Mets with us. Uh or or as I've been calling him lately, the New York mess. Yeah, that's a popular nickname. <laughs> so I we appreciate you coming on talking about that with us. You got any blogs you're working on lately that you want to give a little shout out to? Yeah, just following along with the Hall of Fame. I'm doing like maybe current players and their Hall of Fame chances. Cool. You know, like guys that are, you know, older, not like Soto or, you know, Cooney guys that still have a lot of playing to do, but, you know, older guys like Vado guys like that. Yep. Yeah, but Buster Posey, those type. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Definitely sure. going to be looking out for that. Cool. All right. We are we are bringing in a, another guest now. We got Adam Mikuleshko joining us now. You guys heard him on the show before. We did a whole episode talking to him. You've been a busy man lately, huh? Oh my gosh, dude! It's it's all day, every day. I love it. You can't, you can't uh, hate on you know just busyness. It's, it's a cool thing. That's that grind that we were talking about on that last episode. Always, always grinding. You got to. So you were working with ESPN at the Little League World Series, right? Yeah, yeah, the whole uh, bang ten days. I think we were there. Yeah, it was a uh, that was a cool experience. Yeah, how did how did you get that gig? So uh, just through contacts I had um, throughout, uh, you know, past three four years I worked at Penn State, made a good reputation, and then you start you know getting close with people who who have the connections, and then um, just one day when someone was like, hey you know, let's uh, run it. And I was like, cool, let's do it. That's awesome. So what kind of stuff did they have you doing? I saw you were, you were playing with a drone at one point. Oh, did, did my light just like go, whoa. Yeah, you said like a cool? crazy, crazy flash of light. That actually looks pretty cool. I don't know, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is my friend's uh, tripod I use. He has like a light on it. It's weird. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, no. So this was the first year ESPN ever, ever uh did drone footage so i don't know if you ever if you watched the illegal series but if you did um there was a drone uh 
usually in and out of innings, um, coming back from commercial and, you know, big, big moment plays like, uh, you know, say there was bases loaded, you know, they would show a drone shot just to capture the whole story of everyone, you know, looking how big that moment is. Um, so yeah, that's what I, uh, I, I helped with. I wasn't allowed to fly the drone. There's only two people on their ESPN staff that's allowed to, you know, fly a drone. And, uh, I was not one of them, but I helped him, man. His name is Ryan Humble. He, okay, so I put I put this in all my vlogs because I vlogged the whole experience. I didn't stop vlogging since uh, baseball. Um, but Ryan Humble deserves a shit ton of credit. Like, I, I you know, I don't know if, yeah, I'm sure you see this on Twitter. Um, sorry, I'm rambling on too much. But um, I'm sure you see this on Twitter. Um, some people, you know, if they post a picture or whatever, and then they're like, uh, hey, you know, someone used my picture. They didn't give me photo credit or anything. And, and you know, it's a big frustration. I, I think that's big frustrating for people who are under contract. Like, yeah, like that, like he's with ESPN and great guy. And he doesn't complain about it. I just thought, I just didn't think in my opinion, like when they show like drone footage or, you know, camera guys, they should at least give them like some type of credit. Cause that's, that's like a hard job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They put in the work to get those shots and then they're just kind of under the, the ESPN umbrella there. That guy doesn't get yeah. credit for no disrespect to it. I just think that there should show some credit. So I put that on my, in my blog, but yeah, his name is Ryan humble. He was uh, one of two people at the ESPN who knows how to fly the drone or does the drone. And that man is awesome at it. It was the, it was like, that's that setup was like 1200 bucks or something like that. And just to watch it happen, I was, I was assisting. So my job was uh really simple. Uh, like it was just literally just making sure people, cause under, you know, liability issues, uh, you know, not, not people, uh, on, you know, who are me and Ryan are allowed to walk under the drone, um, just in case it fell, um, or cars couldn't pass it. So I had to watch out for that stuff. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, you were there for for every day of the tournament. Yeah, every day. It was insane. <laughs> That's awesome. And how much time was spent, like actually, like watching the games and like. like oh God, it was, it was like so. We had um, Ryan had this had a monitor to watch the games if we weren't able to watch the games just because uh, you know we had a key had to keep up to date with it. I had to let him know if his shots were on. But uh, I was I was like hidden from uh from volunteer uh more i saw a lot of vomity because you know if i was able to walk over uh by a fence and watch the games so i wasn't up and close because the drone is not allowed to be up and close but i was able to see it live and on tv a lot so but yes i witnessed every game live it was pretty insane <laughs> did you have like a, a favorite team to watch when i went so i went two years ago uh and and i loved watching the caribbean team i had a Jerks and Profar's little brother on it. Um, oh no I, way! I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was it was a, they were like the most fun team to watch. Like, I loved watching their games. So no no international teams obviously this year, but but did you have like a favorite team to watch or one you were like pulling for? Yeah, I mean honestly, going into it, um, I you got to root for the PA team because that's where I'm from. So, but I thought they were a team to beat uh, from what I was hearing, but uh, they didn't do well sadly. But I had another team to root for because so I posted a TikTok. I made a TikTok about just like walking around the stadiums, and I was like, you know, for since fans aren't allowed, hopefully this can help out or whatever. Like just some stupid video, and one of the kids from the Ohio team commented on it and was like, uh, he's like, oh, what team are you from? And I was like, I'm oh, not a team, but I'm gonna root for PA. But I was like, since you commented, I'll root for you too. And that that was it. You can't be talking to younger guys, kids like that. <laughs> but it was just funny how he 
kind of commented on my TikTok like that, but I was going for Ohio for a little bit just because of that. But, um, and then obviously, um, South Dakota I was going for just because of, you know, everything going on with that team. That was pretty, that was pretty cool to watch. And so Ohio made the championship, right? Yeah, they, they lost in the championship, yeah. which sucked. Michigan won, right? Yeah, that was insane. That kid with the mustache on Michigan was a baller. He had a good swing on him. A lot of those kids are like uh, in bench warmers when the guy has I am 12 written in. That's exactly what he did. <laughs> it, it felt like that even more so before because they changed the, the age rules recently. So there's no 13-year-olds now. But there was like before, there was a big 13-year-olds, especially well, like yeah, – there's some kids who I think under the rule that obviously you could change, you, like you could turn 13 while you're playing or whatever. But uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty intense. It was pretty cool to see. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of like little ballers there, like some some kids who you're like, okay, we're gonna be seeing some more of you, especially that well, kid, that kid Gavin Weir. Yes. Well, I, before we get on that topic, uh, I, I personally uh, maybe it's because I've watched all of it this year, um, but. I think it's, it sucked that there was no fans there because, in my opinion, this was one of the best talented or most talented, like, overall uh, rosters they had in a while. Like, everybody from every team, you know, was pretty talented. Like, there's, like usually you see kids with bad swings or something and the commentator will try to, like, be like, oh, he's figuring it out type of thing, you know, being nice about it. But these kids this year, mechan- or not mechanics, I'd say motions. That's what – uh baseball performance center taught me when I was pitching like to help me pitch they t- they're like you know eliminate the word mechanics out of your mind it's all motions now so that's what I'm going to say stop saying but their motions man were beautiful that's that's pretty neat like because considering it was like an all U.S. talent pool that's yeah cool. that's what I'm saying so I, it I was, maybe in, in 10 years we'll look back and be like oh these guys were all playing in, in the 2021 world series when we're hearing their names at, at the college world series or draft day right that's what i'm saying it's uh like and especially you know like gavin weir um he had uh wait you want to say hi to don quick don get a picture quick this is my friend david i've been here what's up man <laughs> that's what i'm saying i'm saying this apartment real quick before i travel well no i, tur- I turned it off already uh, but anyway um <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, Gavin Weir, man, like so that kid's mechanics as a twelve-year-old was awesome. I was like, it was cool to see the pace he had and the motion. I mean, they compared it right off the bat that it looks like Chris Sale, and it was the only thing I worry about. And I was I, I passed him once, but you know, it's weird just to go up to talk to somebody like that, especially when they're younger. Like that's not that's not smart. But um, but he was with the family and whatnot, and. But, like, you know, he's a small kid. He's not as big or whatever. But what I, I would love to tell him, and maybe if he even somehow heard this or something, right? Like, I was, I would love to tell him, like, you know, be careful with it, with that arm because the way his motion is, you know, him throwing curveballs, sliders at 12, and the name he now has and probably had before this, but now it just, you know, got crazier because it's national, uh, nationally televised. Like, that kid's arm is going to be used. Like coaches are going to be, oh, Gavin, where I'm going to use this. Yeah. Uh, like I'm going to use the shit out of them. You know what I mean? Like, that, like that's what it just feels. Like that's, I mean, you see, I've seen it so many times growing up, like, but like that kid needs to be careful because that arm, he's, he's going to have a good arm, but he has to develop it properly, especially throwing curveballs and all that at 12. I don't, I don't believe in that, uh, you know, but he's, he got the job done. He threw two no hitters. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's definitely got like a bit of notoriety now. He's got a name to him. I'm sure he's he's on plenty of guys' radars now. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone's looking looking at him where he's headed to high school, all that. But yeah, he's got to definitely be careful. Like at the end of the day, like making sure that he makes smart decisions for his health, for himself. Like not letting his coaches overuse him. And then like of course like your mechanics are gonna change from the time that you're 12. And I mean, I, I think that. I, I wouldn't recommend like Chris Sales mechanics to anybody. Like to any. No, I mean, I mean, you see what happened to him. He's been out the past two years and yeah. through uh, an immaculate denning uh, recently. But like, it, like the way and he, the only reason, I, like, probably why his arm isn't hurting now is because you know, yes, he's throwing hard as a little leaguer, but you know, when he's up, at, you know, he's not throwing as hard to where it's going to kill the arm. As soon as that thing starts touching, you know, eighty-five plus. He yep. might have some issues, so he has to be careful with that. I mean, he has awesome, like, motion with his pitching. Like, it's really good. If he can learn how to just, you know, settle that in, you know, get everything else stronger to help his elbows, you know, he'll be good. Yeah, because his motion does put a lot on the tendons in that elbow there. Like, the way that guys like him and Chris Sale get, like, ultra layback. Like, yeah. They, they get, and like, three like, quarters. Yeah. They have over 90 degrees of layback from that low three-quarter slot. It's it's definitely something that you you want him, him to be taken care of properly. And, yeah. you know, with, with the, the notoriety he has now and, like, the name he has, I'm sure he's he's probably going to get some pretty good care. Or at least well, I you know, I would I would hope so. I, I You know, I, he's probably going to go back home, you know. Next season starts, he'll probably be, what, Babe Ruth or how, whatever people call it. Uh you know, in their towns or whatever, but you know, he's gonna, whoever, whatever team he's on, they're going to be like, you know, everyone's going to know who he is. So they're going to, people are going to try to, you know, kill the ball off this kid. And yep. as long as he keeps the composure, he'll be good. What state was he from again? South Dakota. South Dakota. Okay. That's like mm-hmm. such like a random place too. Yeah. Sussex Falls, South Dakota. That's where they were all from. It's almost like if, if the Little League World Series, like, wasn't a thing, or if, like, even if it, like, wasn't all U.S. this year, like, that's the kind of place where, like, they don't really get the opportunity to get on that stage much. Like, no, that's out of a place like that. Yeah, they, they were able to get there one other time beforehand, but um, it was in the past couple of years. But, you know, that, that also, you know, made me think, you know, like, all these teams, you know, because there was teams who first made it originally, like, if it was regular with the world, you know, the first eight teams are in. But yep. then it's the extra eight teams who lost to those people who got in as well. Um, that's I actually found out later on, uh, you know, uh, Little World Series that the um, every, you know, how every team has like their, you know, representative colors or whatever. Like West is usually blue and yellow or whatever. So the first peep, the first team who did make it in got the original colors. The second team who made it in from that area, from that region, got the world colors. <laughs> So that was like a really weird thing when I was watching it is like seeing like the green and red and like now yeah. right away you're like oh Mexico's playing and then like yeah it, it's like it's, it's like New Jersey or something <laughs> and then you see like the the black blue and yellow and like you think that's Australia and it's it's not it was California really, yeah it was really weird seeing that that's what I'm saying it was like what the heck and then dude that kid from California that that uh, kid who just had massive bombs. The kid wasn't even a starter, and he was dominated the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, keep going. What? what? No, I was just going to say, that, that was – it was a cool experience to see all those teams, um, you know, 
they, their play was phenomenal. Like it sucked Tennessee didn't go farther because um, the kid on that team, their shortstop dude, that kid is good. I saw him in person too. He's this little little small kid, but he's like super good. Like that kid is gonna grow into his body, and he's gonna be a pretty good shortstop. Yeah, you could tell, like, you were, you were mentioning, like, motions. Like, you can tell, like, who's going to grow into their body. Like, you can kind of – it sounds weird, like, projecting 12-year-olds, but, like, you, you just kind of know, like, who, who's smooth, who's not, who's got the swing. Yeah, if you, if you have the skill, dude, you see it. You see it. I mean, like, like when I was growing up, you know, I, like, I don't know if people – I mean, I definitely had skill, you know, I, where I am now, but, like, it's 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 all depends on the heart how much you want it because a lot of people after little league they realize they can't hit the ball farther or can't do as much because it's you know bigger field and they give up so it's the people who keep you know going through that shit that's what's gonna yeah, help these kids yeah and you especially hope that like the the notoriety of being on the big stage like that and the attention from all that doesn't go to their heads and they don't think that they don't have to no. work hard you you hope that they stay on the grind and they don't let it get to them. Uh, and I'm, I'm like a lot of them are ballers. Like a lot of them, it's it's not gonna get, go to their head, and they're gonna keep grinding. But that's what you hope for all of them, because that that happens a ton. As you see guys like get get a lot of recognition at a young age, and then kind of think like, oh, it's just gonna come to me. And then they get right. outworked, and they get passed as they get into well, the mid teens. Did you see? Uh, I think it was Ohio's coach that talked to him. Did you? Maybe it was them. Did you see what he said? It was one of the coaches at the end. Uh, their team lost, and did you? Did you hear the speech he had? No, I don't think I did. Oh, dude, it was like, it couldn't have been said any better. He was like, listen, I love all you guys. He goes, you guys got to realize now, now you have a face. You, you know, your name was on national television. He goes, you're going to go back home and there's going to be people, you know, looking up to you. He said, so it, you know, he goes, I know some of you guys play football. And if you guys play football and, and you don't want to jog somewhere because uh, you're tired, he said 10 other people are going to follow you because, Oh, that that name who was the Lily World Series doesn't have to work that hard, so I'm not gonna work that hard. And like he's like, you guys have to set the example now. And it was a really cool thing. Like he's pretty much saying, be the leaders now. Like he like it was like like they got taught how to be professional before they were there. Which like doesn't that blow your mind? Like these kids there at the Lily World Series, like oh every year, always the same thing. Like you know, usually you know when you're younger, you're immature, whatnot. And I've seen it in every league I've ever played in. You know, someone doesn't go their way. You know, they're they're flipping out or tossing stuff and whatnot. You don't see that here at all. So I, I, something tells me that they, they tell them beforehand, listen, you're on television. Yeah. You got to behave. Definitely. But that, I mean, that's, that's how you're supposed to act as a ball player anyway. So it's, it's a yeah. good learning lesson from them. I mean, you, you don't want college coaches to see you at, at your high school games, throwing your helmet or, or slamming your bat. So it's good right. to start getting that in there from a young age. I will say, mm-hmm. I, I think some of the sportsmanship stuff goes a little overboard there. If I oh, if yeah. I lose the championship game, there is zero chance I'm standing on the first baseline clapping for the other team as they celebrate. No <laughs> way, dude. Get that get that out of the youth. Get that away from the kids, dude. Listen, be upset <laughs> if you lose. Don't you don't got to sit there and you don't got to clap for the other guys and watch them celebrate. It is okay to be upset when you lose. And you know what? You you shouldn't slam your helmet and you shouldn't throw your bat. But you know what? You also shouldn't sit there and clap for him. There should, there should be a controlled anger there in between. Well, uh, I could say this from you know first first experience. You know, when uh, my professional year this year when I was in the championship when we lost, um, 
after after the, yes we were so bombed and we didn't we didn't do that but like we you know we held up in the outfield or out or foul line or whatever and you know we had talk we got talked to but there was like this this little this little uh this little kid running around the bases with the the Saranac Lake flag and he's like looking at us like what now around in the bases and then right behind him is there's this 40 year old you know just you know heavy set guy he's like drunk and go woo <laughs> and I looked at my team I was like they need it more than us so like, let them love that because but like this you know we we didn't clap or cheer but we you know we had friends on those teams so you know the least you could do is just say, you know, congratulations. But yeah, then you didn't you go back to being like pissed. Like I was upset that night. I didn't want to yeah. talk to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't even think it's like good for, for like teaching kids that they got to like fake their emotions like that. And that right. like, that like you're supposed to hold your emotions in and like clap or whatever. Like you can be a good sport, like without taking it too far. Like you can mm-hmm. be, you can be pissed off and still be a good sport. And right. It's kind of like it's it's very fake to have them like sit there like you don't you know those kids don't want to sit there and clap and and it's smile from the camera like let them let them they just they, they lost let them grieve uh, like let them actually display their emotions in a a, a healthy sportsmanlike way exactly you're 100 percent right with that <laughs> so uh, i i am like super bummed that this year wasn't the uh didn't have the international teams because I keep thinking how cool would it have been for the Japanese little league team to be at that little league classic how insane would that have been with the angels playing and Otani there? Like that's like God, like he's, he's the biggest thing to ever happen to Japanese baseball. Like in these kids, like besides Ichiro, he's the biggest thing to ever happen from a Japanese ball player. Like that would have been, so cool like they would have been inseparable from him so i'm yeah. i'm really bummed that we missed that no nah, he's a, he's a big boy well dude I, I have a video that i'll put in my vlog but this he didn't do well that night and i can 100 say i understand why like that dude the whole day leading up to that you know he comes off the bus the second he comes off the bus you know he's the biggest name there besides mike trout but the the pack of kids and people surrounding him was insane and he's so nice because that's just Japanese culture you know they mm-hmm. are very respectful he you know was signing everybody's autograph didn't you know wasn't like blowing people off or whatever but the swarm of people around him dude I would have been tired I would have wanted to take a nap right after that like yeah I was just totally overwhelming it was it was in, it was overwhelming to watch it I was like oh my <laughs> gosh like I mean, I don't get me wrong. I would love that, you know, like if that happened to me type of thing, like I would love to, you know, help, you know, be like that role model and whatnot. But that man, that guy was getting swarmed. Like he had to be so tired by the end of that night. How would, what would you say like the, the crowd for him compared to the crowd for Trout was? Oh God. It, well, Trout obviously got his little hype and whatnot. People were like, oh my God, Mike Trout, but Mike Trout's hurt right now and he's not doing anything. So, yeah. you know, it's just the way the world works, you know, people will get into, you know, what's working for now, right now and, you know, the happiness. Yeah. So it was Shohei. And so the Shohei had the crowd. Everyone wants to see Shohei like Mike Trout. Yes, he's awesome. And I, I still think, you know, he's the best in baseball, but I mean, those two are back and forth as the best players in baseball yeah. right now. <laughs> That's just, I find that so crazy though. Like any other, like any other time, no Shohei there, like Trout's yep. getting most attention anybody's ever gotten at that event and then he just gets completely overshadowed by Shohei I think that's so great <laughs> Shohei Otani 
I think that's so nuts. It's a cool name to say too, Shohei. Like, know, right? like especially, cool especially if you're 12 years old, that's not the kind of name you've ever heard before. Is that no? And he's, and he's a freak of nature, and everyone you've loves him. You seen Elf with Will Ferrell? The way he says or Francisco. That's how the kids feel saying Shohei. <laughs> I love that movie. No, you're 100 right with that. That was the the crowd there to witness that in person was insane. It was crazy when he came up to bat in the, the Little League Classic game and all the kids are saying, hit a bomb. That was so funny. <laughs> and he, I, like I said, he, I wish he had done something that game. He didn't, yeah. though. And I, like I said, it's just because he was definitely tired. But, um, like, even that Little League World Series, dude, and I put it in my vlog, too, this one. Because I, uh, I, I, Alex Rodriguez was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was by, I was standing by him at one point, but as we're, as he was, you know, the game's over and he's leaving, going into the compound. Uh, that's where I was. Some fan from up at the top of the hills going J Lo and screaming it to him, and I was like, oh, oh no! And apparently, that wasn't the first guy doing it, and just apparently all night something was bothering him. That's what I was, you know, hearing and whatnot. And I was like, what, like, what asshole does that? You right, know what I mean, like, don't. Don't be that guy. Like, you know, no one would like that, especially how high profile he is. Like, everyone knows about it, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, don't talk about it. But it was so crazy. Um, I met Raul Ibanez. You know him? Yeah, I do know him. I, I know how he, he destroyed my Orioles in the 2012 ALDS. <laughs> one of my all time favorite Phillies, just because uh, I love watching him hit, but I love playing with him on MLB the show because he always got home runs for me. I met him in person. We were talking, shook his hand. Um, he was a really nice guy. I was telling him what I'm doing. It was just, it was a really, you know, cool experience. And then um, just the talent that was there, man, like they, everyone was so freaking cool. That's awesome. That's really like, that's such a cool experience to, to be a part of, not just with like the, the little league kids, but like also being around like the, the current major leaguers, the former major leaguers. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that must've been just such a cool experience. You know what, what was, what I found, and again, I put this in my vlog, I keep shouting on the vlog when I put all these out, but um, what I found so interesting is, you know, if you're an MOE player, you know, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, like they, you know, look up to you type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's been on TV, he's a good player, blah, blah, blah. What was so cool to me to see is when Alex Rodriguez was there, there was people from the Indians team going up to him and acting like that little kid to him. And they're like, yeah. Oh my gosh, like, can you sign my ball? Take a picture. Like they were like that little kid. I was like, how funny is that? That they're at the level where Alex was, but Alex just, you know, made a name for himself and he's, you know, his playing career is over, but like these guys are still playing, but just looking up to him, it was the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like A-Rob played in, in the nineties and, and early to mid two thousands. You got guys in the league now who are 23, 24, 25 years old. Like they were like, they were little league age when A-Rod was the best player in baseball. When he was getting handed the biggest contract in baseball history, they were little league age. They, he literally is to them, to current major leaguers, what, what the current major leaguers are to today's little leaguers. Isn't that so cool? It's like a full circle. We're like the, the kind of between generation there. We're like, we, we look up to like the, you know, Pujols, Miguel Cabrera types who are like, they're a little older. They're not quite the Shohei's Tatis Vlad Jr., but they're not yeah. quite like the A-Rod Poppies, Frank Thomas, yeah. like Griffey. Like they're a little before us. 
So like we're we're kind of in in the middle there with like our childhood now is is retiring on the way out like Pedroia, Jeter, like they're it's, it's kind of sad to see all of all of our icons like that starting. You're 100 percent right. The um one thing I could specifically say about Jeter, um, kind of off topic is I was I remember one day after literally uh, after I was done with my literally game I came home because I didn't have a, that good of a game and I was crying I was upset. And I remember I turned on my TV and Derek Jeter, you know, was on the Yes Network or whatever, and he hits a monster home run. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And I, and, I ended, and I ended up doing it. But, like, it was, like, almost, like, rejuvenated me. But, like, it is the type of players that you see and you're like, holy, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of Jeter, I'll, I'll take you right over here for a second. We got uh, the Jeter oh, no <laughs> autographs right there. Oh shit! Don't sell those. That's that's sick. Yeah. Oh no. I'll I'll have to send you some videos around this room. Uh, oh my video. My my uh, lighting is crazy. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you're good, you're good. No, I'll I'll have to send you some videos around this room down here in my basement. It's, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Jeter, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this yet, uh, but we we're gonna have some guys going out to. Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame inauguration coming up in in a week and a half or so. That's um, it. So anybody listening, there's going to be a ton of content coming from that. Keep an eye on our socials at Capital Sports MN. We're going to have some Hall of Fame induction ceremony content uh, coming your way. So that's going to be really exciting. Definitely uh, appreciate the Jeter segue there, so I could bring that up. And and while I we're did- talking about it, I'm I'm going to text you after this. I don't want to say too much on the air. I've got a big announcement coming. Uh, with something oh. I'm going to be doing during the baseball off season when this show isn't going. So uh, I'll text you separately about it. I don't want to say anything on here yet uh, until we're ready to announce it, but that's going to be super exciting. Excited um, to hear about that. Yeah. But dude, thank you for coming to talk to me. This uh, I'm no, this- so glad to talk about like the little league baseball. Little league was such like a huge part of, of my baseball life and, and everyone's really so I, I I just love the Little League World Series and what it does. It was always my dream to play there, uh, so, but I guess I guess getting to talk about it uh, on the podcast is the next best thing. Well, you know what? It's you know I appreciate you having me on again. I mean, we'll definitely keep bouncing content up at you know each other. It's cool um, to you know have people with passions and whatnot. And but with the I will say Little League World Series. I mean, I only live like an hour. I like to live an hour away from there, um, but like it's weird to say that you go watch, you know, little kids play or whatever, but it's so much more than that. Like the atmosphere there, the, when there's 40, fu- or 40 plus thousand, you know, people there and, and just everyone, on, you know, on the Hill, it's a, you know, unique, unique background, but the atmosphere, like people, like kids there, you know, they do it for the love and passion of the game. And like, I always said that, you know, even till now, you know, through now, I always said that you know, when I'm a professional and whatnot, I always want to do it for the love of the game. I never want to do anything for money, like mm-hmm. money is a bonus, but you know, I, that's why I have other stuff lined up, but the, for the love of the game, it's the coolest atmosphere because they're not doing it for anything else besides that. Yep. And, you know, bragging rights, it's, it's an, it's the coolest thing, form of competitiveness, I think ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything else we watch is, you know, they're getting paid in, in the big leagues. And even in college, they're getting scholarships. Now they're getting paid. They're getting sponsorships. It's yeah. just like, it's pure sports. It's pure mm-hmm. just wanting to play baseball. And, and it's beautiful. Yes, I 100% agree with that. Well, 
Thank you, man. Uh, we're definitely going to get, get you back on. Every time you come on, we have a great talk. So we'll definitely get you back on. I'm so excited to see what you do next. Uh, before I let you go, shout out the YouTube channel. Uh, and anything uh, you want to shout out here? Uh, out on a limb, Adam on YouTube. Uh, type in out on a limb, Adam, because out on a limb is uh, not big enough yet with the just, for its just name. But out on a limb, Adam, YouTube. And then uh, just type in out on a limb on everything else. You should see my, a little tree or just type in Adam Michalesco on YouTube and I have my stuff tagged there in my bio. Yeah, and he's going to be tagged in everything uh, uh, to do with this episode. Going to be tagged on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. We're going to get you tagged. You guys will be able to get to his stuff from that anyways. Dude, uh, uh, thank you again, man. Oh, no, thank you. And one more thing. My, uh, my fall drop's coming out soon. So th these shirts, uh, there's way better designs coming out. So shop.outalimofficial.com. Awesome. We, we will, uh, we'll have to get you back on to talk about that. And we'll have to work on a collab, too. No, I, I'd be sick. I would like that a lot. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. No problem. Thank you. Uh, we will have Jimmy and Adam tagged in the post on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Follow them. Check out their stuff. As always, shout out to our editor, Bobby Lane. Shout out our founder, Kyle Milligan. Shout out Jaron Frangi. Uh, and we'll see you guys back next week. What's going on everybody this is kyle milligan founder of csmn thank you so much for listening today make sure to follow us on instagram at capital sports mn and find all of our content on our website at capital sports mn.com peace out everyone god bless